My name is Javier Colon. Welcome to The In-Between. Today, I am joined by the one and only Justin Banner to talk about their monumental film titled Champlain. Hi, Justin. Thank you for having me, Javi. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on to the show. How are you? I'm uh, doing all right, all things considered. This is our last week of Thesis One. How do you feel? A little bit under pressure, but I've gotten a few people, a few friends of mine to uh, help out with editing. So first of all, just introduce yourself to the, uh, to the listeners. Who are you and what do you do? My name's Justin. I am a computer art major here at SVA, specializing mostly in modeling and animation, mainly of creature work sort of been a hobby of mine to draw and create creatures ever since uh, ever since I was a little kid. That was accelerated when Spore came out in 2008, and uh, it's been on the rise ever since with all these big-budget monster movies. How did you find yourself at SVA? Well, being from New York, like born and raised here, mm-hmm. I've always kind of lived nearby. I've seen the flags, like down 21st Street every now and again. My elementary school was actually on 21st, a bit further west, though. Oh, yeah? So I, yeah, I actually saw some of the flags when walking to and from, like the old ones. But mm. nevertheless, it was the closest uh, school to me that had a heavy computer art division, I guess, mm. you know? And so naturally just kind of felt like the right pick for you. Yeah. I did apply to two other schools, but even with scholarships, they were both more expensive and very, very distant. So, uh, okay. What were the other two? Massachusetts College of Art, well, Mass Art, and uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know a friend who goes to SCAD. She's really, uh, she's really good. She does uh, UI design, I believe. Ooh, that's cool stuff. Yeah, super cool. So, what's your thesis called and what is it about? Well, my thesis is titled Champlain. It is about a cryptozoologist, played by my good friend Avatar, who goes out looking for a lake monster. Unfortunately, he's caught off guard by the Jersey Devil, which he didn't expect to be there. Mm-hmm. It's a short little, slightly tense, slightly awe-inspiring piece. Well, I have definitely been awe-inspired by your previses for sure, so... I Thank think you. It will definitely carry out within the uh, the next few months. Where did this idea come from? Because you mentioned that you really like creature modeling. So how did this idea come to be? Well, truth be told, this is the fifth idea of many ideas that I had for thesis over the past year. But nevertheless, let's disregard those and focus mainly on why I choose this one. Because as you said... Like I said, I've been enamored basically with creatures all my life. Like all the way back from like when I was like three or something, watching, catching a glimpse of Godzilla versus Space Godzilla on TNT mm-hmm. back when they did Monster Mania or whatever. It was That's called. a fantastic title. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Space Godzilla. That's awesome. I know. It's, it's frankly not the best movie, but I've, I've got a soft spot, admittedly. But like I'm saying, Godzilla, Jurassic Park, 
Pacific Rim, all that sort of stuff, and Spore, of course. Yes. All that sort of culminated in this intense love for like creatures and dinosaurs and alien stuff. It's like, I'm a sci-fi junkie, as it were. Yeah, totally. And like, the whole reason for doing Champlain is basically it's a passion project of mine. It's the sort of thing I've always really wanted to do, Mm -hmm. you know? This is the sort of film that I've always wanted to make, a VFX-heavy film with creatures that I've come up with, or rather designed, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Especially your your boy Champ, the main guy. Yeah, I'm really proud of that so far. I gotta say, like, I am thoroughly impressed with how detailed and how fantastic he looks, because he very he is very, like, threatening in the best way possible. Yeah, threatening, but... Champ's a good guy. Yeah, exactly. Champ's yeah. the good guy in this uh, in this film. So I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that you had five different ideas before you started working on this one. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's and I love to to ask about like the process because thesis is not a straight line, right? It's, it goes up and down. So, and in my case, it did loop de loops and corkscrews. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear uh, the evolution. Where did it start versus where is it now? It started as something completely different, and then I took it to something completely different from that, and then it got to here. Mm. Originally, my first idea was basically about dinosaurs in a sort of Zootopian sort of setting, finding the meaning of life. Nice. (laughs) That I sort of didn't have much direction for, admittedly, because, you know, the meaning of life is a sort of... It's vague. It is vague. I agree. <laughs> but it's a fun idea. It's yeah. a really fun idea. And I would have had, I came up with some early concepts, like very early sketches, but it never really panned out. Mm. Then my next two ideas were sort of based around, you know, based around the idea of like a trans person finding allies or dealing with dysphoria mm-hmm. and then the, then the fourth idea, which came just before Champ, was about a monster and a robot fighting. Nice. <laughs> it was originally going to be, originally it was going to be like a generic monster of my own and a generic robot of my own. And then I decided to make it the Loch Ness Monster versus a War of the Worlds tripod. And oh, then, nice. And that's what Champ's model actually started out as, a model of the Loch Ness Monster of my mm. own design. And then we got into, well where we are now with champ i can definitely see the loch ness monster like inspirations you know he is very like aquatic well yeah both both the loch ness monster and champ are giant lake monsters with long necks mm-hmm. and smallish heads mysterious is what they are they're, yeah, both they're mysterious <laughs> absolutely your project right your idea has evolved mm-hmm. f- from monsters like dinosaurs to uh, trans awareness to monsters and then back to champs. So what was the main driving force behind all these changes? Would you say it was the pandemic? Would you say it was a general... My mind wanders. I, my mind tends to wander. I, Frankly, part of the reason why I had so many ideas in the first place is because my mind goes places. It wants to stick to some things, but then I had to take a look at it and like completely reevaluate. Mm-hmm. It's like first thing wasn't going 
as planned. Second slash third thing didn't go as planned, and I was kind of struggling with the direction I wanted to take that. Fourth thing, the Loch Ness versus Tripod one. I was getting somewhere, but I just found myself extremely unsatisfied with some aspect, like mainly the tripod. I could not get the tripod's design down. Mm-hmm. That was just pain in the ass. Yeah. Tripod's a really cool idea, though, and I, I would I would love to see if maybe that is something that you work on in the future, you know? Maybe one day. I have had some uh, ideas for things tangentially related to that. Gotcha. Are you uh, willing to disclose these on the show, or are these like secret projects? Secret project. I got you. I, You know what? I love me a secret project. Initially, when I was designing the logo for the show, I asked a bunch of people for their opinions on what the colors should be. And they always ask me, like, what, what is this for? And I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> That's valid. That's valid. I've, I've gotten a few of my friends into that fold of this secret project. None of them from school, though. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But they are in the fold, and they sort of know what's up. Mm-hmm. So if any of them are hearing this, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. So Champ really is like the biggest part about this project. But I'm curious if he's your favorite part of working on this project. Well, I haven't really considered that, truth <laughs> be told. <laughs> I've got a lot of favorite parts and a lot of parts I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rigging Champ is not my favorite part. Right. Admittedly, I'm not a rigger. I'm a modeler and animator. Mm-hmm. That's not my field. Exactly. But making the model of Champ, coming up with the design, looking at all the references, coming up with like the Jersey Devil as well. Right. Which had a slight change. I sort of got rid of the smaller arms and merged them into the wings mm-hmm. for a slightly disturbing look. And also going out to film, although... Truth be told, that was a bit of a stress ball for me. (laughs) (laughs) But the experience alone was worth it. Yeah, totally. Like, you definitely get, you learn a lot more when you're put out into the field like that, for sure. Absolutely. And it really helps that my mom helped out with that, because she she actually works in the industry, as it were. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, she's a scenic artist. Oh, very cool. So you come from a family of creatives, then? Yes, I do. My dad ran a business. It's sadly about to close it down at the end of the year. Oh, no. Which, yeah, pandemic, you know. Mm-hmm. But he ran a business that made a lot of window displays for, like, Macy's or Apple or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mostly, like, Macy's one of the biggest clients. Yeah, like the, like the Macy's Thanksgiving parade and the Christmas time. He actually did do a float help do some uh, animatronics for a float for them once. Oh, cool. Macy's parade. Foster's home stuff, you know, imaginary friends. Yeah. So naturally, like, it almost feels like you were destined for this field, you know? In a way, yeah. One of the assignments that we had for uh, Business of Being an Artist was to sort of write about our creative journey. And I sort of realized that it's because of them that I am the way I am. It's because my dad works in a sort of 3D environment, although mainly with his hands, of course. Of course, he's yeah. making physical objects. And because my mom works in film, sort of combine the two and, well, there we are. Yeah, you're in film and you're working in 3D digitally, so. Yeah. That's really awesome, and I think that that's a very cool legacy 
that is very evident when you look when we when somebody looks at your work. I'm glad it comes across. <laughs> it definitely does. Like I have seen some of the work that you've created um and your love for sci-fi is definitely like influencing all of that. Absolutely. So, of course, as any geek will have to ask you, are you a Star Wars person or are you a Star Trek person? I'm heavily both. Okay. Fair enough. I'm in a Star Wars modeling Discord server run by the ever-famous Fractal Sponge. Nice. And I moderate the Discord server of a Star Trek YouTube channel called Trek Yards. Oh, very cool. And... Truth be told, I'm a fan of both The Mandalorian and Discovery, so... I have not seen Discovery. Um, I want to talk about the way that you work for a moment, because your work is extremely impressive, and I imagine that there's a certain discipline that goes along with creating all the details that, like, for example, like Champ has. So what is a normal project look like for you like take me from start to finish of like let's say you're modeling um a creature or something like what happens well usually i start with the head okay like when i'm modeling and then i sort of build sort of backward from that like the neck the body all those pieces not not all not all of the time i bring down the jaw and like from the actual Subtool itself, but sometimes I se- make it in, from a separate subtool. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I first start off roughing in the basic shapes, and then I start going into the head, sort of defining all those features. Because when it comes to creature design, you're going to be looking at the full body, of course. Right. But the focus, of course, is going to be the head. You're yeah. going to want to see what the face of this thing looks like. Because we are social creatures. We look at each other's faces a lot. Mm-hmm. How has COVID-19 affected your workflow and your thesis, if it has affected it at all? Well, I have a lot more time to spend at home. Yes. <laughs> and that's a blessing mm-hmm. and a bit of a curse because, you know, that means my parents are home more often. It's like they're like hovering over me a little bit. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't like being... I personally don't like being hovered over mm. when I'm working. Yeah, you just need your space. Yeah. And admittedly, that makes them not sure where I am with my progress. And admittedly, that's a valid concern. Mm. Sometimes I feel like I'm slipping behind a bit, all things considered. Yeah, I think it's been going pretty well for me. Like during some Zoom calls that we have, like during class, I'm sometimes working on the side on my my thesis Shh, you're not supposed to tell anybody <laughs> well hey what when else are you supposed to get some work done while still also watching and listening like i, I have it like sort of split screen you know yeah of course i don't have two monitors but oh and you don't have the two monitors set up no i do not neither do i so we are both hey. in the same boat <laughs> having a half screen things. <laughs> you so. don't like being hovered over how but you and sometimes you feel like you're falling behind how do you mitigate that? Like, how do you make sure you stay right on schedule? Well, Anka has helped me with that in a way. She and I have put together a sort of schedule that I've been roughly trying to stay on top of. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, while I'm not the best at self-discipline in that regard, I am 
I have to say I have become a master of cramming. <laughs> I <laughs> cram master. Say, I hate to say it, but high school really did a wonder for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. These are tools that you learned very early on in your educational career. So I'm glad that you're you're using that now. Oh yeah, and thank you Stuyvesant. That's that's the whole reason I <laughs> I'm so good at cramming. I've learned how to make Five paragraph essays in the span of an hour. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you mentioned, you kind of mentioned cramming with a bit of a disdain in your voice. And I want to talk about... I don't like to. (laughs) Yeah, you don't like to cram and I don't think anybody does. And for you specifically, what would you say was your lowest point in thesis, like in your thesis process? Well, probably being so slow to get down to one final idea that I'm happy with, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Like, for the overall process from junior year to now, I've bounced between so many ideas and so many different projects that, admittedly, I've basically started from scratch in early September, Mm -hmm. like, for, like, creating a whole new set of storyboards, a whole new script. How I actually made the storyboards before I made the script. I mean, but in terms of, like... uh, Recently, within within just this one idea, probably the night that I had some trouble texturing, and I am once again super thankful that Jonathan Agosto and Christopher Lee were there to walk me through my struggles. Oh, awesome. Yeah, they're very talented and they're very good. I'm curious because I'm a little, and I, I would say that I'm a little hung up on something that you mentioned earlier, which was a transgender person thesis that you were kind of going with, which kind of seems like such a diversion from monsters versus robots or other monsters or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i i know exactly the thing so i'm curious what was that story about and how come you decided to scrap it because it seems like something that's important to you it it is admittedly i don't want to get too bogged down in the details specifically of why I wanted to go with it. Okay. The reason why I sort of scrapped it was it was just getting a bit too much. Like Mm. uh, there was too much that I wasn't prepared to do. I didn't have the assets per se. Mm. I was sort of, I almost started angling for, uh, for 2d sort of stuff. And I am not a 2d sort of animator. I'm not exactly much of a human modeler. Right. I'm like kind of have a, a silly image in my head of like two mon- like Godzilla monsters, you know, <laughs> within the story. Well, I mean, the second idea did involve like a sort of Ultraman style fight between the main character and the sort of monster personification of their dysphoria. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like that could definitely be uh, not only very insightful, into what it must feel like to be in that position, but also just, like, fun for you to animate, too, you know, a giant monster. It would have been if I had any real assets and if I didn't uh, try specking it into 2D. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I'm not a 2D animator. It's not my field. (laughs) Right. So then I'm curious, because you are so focused on creature modeling, what made you decide to go with a compositing thesis as opposed to a completely 3d thesis was it just the fact that you needed characters or a question of the hour for sure (laughs) 
Well, basically, this is more or less the sort of project I want to work on in a professional capacity. Right. Godzilla, Jurassic Park, Pacific Rim, the big three I keep mentioning. Of course, yes. They are all, they are all films with live-action filming mm-hmm. and composited in CG creatures, which blow your mind away. Yeah. Take your breath away, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing I want to work on. These big, awesome, spectacular creature films. Yeah, totally. A little more on a happier note. I mentioned and I asked you, what would you feel like your worst moment was? What is the moment when you were working on thesis that you like knew that you could do it? Like you did it and you just totally celebrated that this was something that you could absolutely accomplish. I've had two as of late. Okay. Finishing champ and finishing filming at location. Yeah, I was really excited about filming. Filming itself was like, it was a bit of a slog because we had to sort of like reshoot shots and it was like the gimbal was being an uncooperative little ass. (laughs) (laughs) And we were losing light towards the end of the day. Oh yeah, daylight is very precious. That's important. Oh yeah. (laughs) But you got it done and you got it done in all in one day too. Yeah, we got it done. Yeah, I know. That was the brilliant part. And then once we had it all done, I was like, I, I threw my arms up in the air. I I was, I was relieved. You were just like the zoologist at the end of your piece. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. A little bit more about how you work and how you kind of... Yeah, we didn't finish answering that, did we? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go into a little bit more. Is there any particular behavior or like habit that you have that helps you concentrate on what you need to do? Or do you just kind of like sit down and you just do it? Well, now that's a bit of a tough question because sometimes I sit down and I do it, mm-hmm. but with a certain behavior ahead of that, I sort of have to motivate myself as it were. Mm-hmm. To sort of like tell myself to do it. It's like, cause I know I have to, but then I have to remind myself Yo, you got to get on this. You got to do it if you're going to meet the deadline. It's like, yeah, you're kind of like hyping yourself up. You're like your own yeah, motivational coach. Exactly. It's tough sometimes just because like when you've done certain things before and like it's being a bit of a slog at times, mm-hmm. you're like, ah, but it's going to be a slog again. But you're, then you're going to be like, no, this time you're going to get through it no matter how difficult it's gonna be you gotta do this Mm -hmm. because how the else are you gonna finish this film (laughs) this is true yeah absolutely as how do you motivate yourself is it just that pep talk that helps you to get off your ass and do it or do you have other ways of motivating yourself to get started well i give myself that internal pep talk of course less actually talking and more pep think but, uh, <laughs> I like that. That's really good. It is. I didn't. I, that just came out of the blue. Yeah. But like, I also tend to pace around when I'm thinking. Mm. So, whenever I'm sort of doing this sort of thing, or whenever I'm trying to sort of come up with a solution, or come up with an idea at all, I'm often just sort of walking around the house, which is a 
pretty big apartment and all that. Mm-hmm. And just sort of thinking to myself, sometimes with my headphones on, listening to music, just to sort of get myself in the right mindset for the whole production. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I have never seen you physically without, like, like when we used to be walking around at the labs, I have never seen you without your headphones. What are you listening to? Mostly soundtracks from movies. Got it. Okay. But yeah, like soundtracks to movies makes makes a lot of sense, especially for your uh, your kind of like internal monologue of creature films. Exactly. Is it really just those big three, Pacific Rim and and Jurassic Park? Not and- not just those big three. I mean, sometimes I listen to TV show soundtracks. Like, oh, okay. Lately, I've been sort of perusing the score to Battlestar Galactica, as composed by Bear McCreary. Ah, uh, nice. A classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I also listen to. Star Trek movie soundtracks, mm-hmm. including one by SVA alum Michael Giacchino. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> that's so cool. That's super, super cool. And I mean, I don't just do that for this. I do that for basically every idea that I have swirling around in this noggin here. Mm-hmm. You just <laughs> listen to the soundtracks? Yeah, I'd listen to soundtracks that sort of fit the, fit the idea, fit the topic, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And that's a fantastic like way to get your brain into the right mindset. You know what I mean? To yeah. really hone in on this like one thing, you know? Exactly. Which is this one thing that you do extraordinarily well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm thankful, speaking of this one thing that I do well, to have people to guide me through this. It's like, like not only in school, like not only do I have all these friends in school, but I have all these friends online who do these amazing models and concept pieces mm-hmm. like Max Bellomio, Digital Duck on Twitter. He makes these amazing, fantastic models of dinosaurs. And like he's been, he and so many of the other folks on RJ Palmer's Discord server have been invaluable, like in like the creation of Champ, like giving me ideas for like scale patterns and alpha textures and such. Mm-hmm. And that's, they basically give you critiques too. So they really help you hone in on this, like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the most valuable things for an artist to have a community that they're a part of, that they can freely reach out into mm-hmm. dip their toes in the discussion and float a little paper boat of your own design out and people will give commentary. Yeah, Absolutely. Art is just one big paper boat show. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, Justin. That's really that's an awesome way to look at the art world in general. You know, big old paper boat show. <laughs> Little paper boat show, yeah. Yeah. So as we watch our paper boat sail into the sunset, I wanted to ask you a few reflective questions, some things of advice for perhaps a younger generation. So what would you tell your freshman self about SVA? What would I tell my freshman self? Well, a few things. First of all, do not be afraid to go to your advisors. Mm. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask for help either because that is one of my failings personally, even now I'm terrified of asking for help for some reason, not because of pride or anything. It's just, I'm, I don't know who to ask. I'm terrified of looking. Mm, I see. 
it, it's, it is totally not a matter of like, oh, I can totally do this on my own. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a matter of like, who do I look to? Will they have the time? Will I have the time to keep in touch with them? It's like, ah. But like, even so, I like this doesn't seem to be a real problem for me online because I'm in all these communities where people are so easily identifiable. Right. I can associate a name to what they do directly because I can see their work right there. Yeah, they're literally labeled with the exact thing that you need them to be. Yeah, and they've got their work right in front of me, but like, and like they're actively talking and stuff. But like the problem with SBA, especially in this current pandemic time, is because is that we can't really see that. We don't really have the labs open like in mass capacity like we did in the before times. <laughs> Back we in can't the really times. we can't really look at these underclassmen and say, "Hey, your work is good. Would you mind helping me?" Mm. And we don't really have. I mean, we sort of have that slight connection but it's not the same it's right. really not the same because we don't have the opportunity to be in direct contact anymore mm-hmm. admittedly there's nothing we can really do about that but if it weren't for this pandemic then i think i'd be having a much easier time with this <laughs> <laughs> that's like the understatement of the year of the century so <laughs> the far century. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic so specifically, I want to ask you, do you have any advice for juniors that are now entering the thesis phase? Okay. Juniors, do not be afraid of following your dreams. Oh, interesting. Because like, of course, there are going to be these requirements. Like, of course, you're going to be told by your thesis professors and like pre-production or like whatever the first one was, I forget what it's called. The research, thesis research. Your research and pre-production teachers, they'll tell you to do things for sure. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you to sort of focus in on this, plan out X, Y, Z. Like you want, you're going to need this and so on and so forth, but you don't necessarily need to follow it exactly. Mm-hmm. You can follow your dreams, even if it's to a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. But again, Think realistically. By next year, hopefully, we'll have vaccines out. Hopefully, we might be able to return to classes. Hopefully, you'll have the opportunity to actually network amongst your peers. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that nobody's going to take for granted anymore after this pandemic because it's absolutely highlighted how important it is to stay connected to your peers. Yeah, and another thing, even if you're not in a group reach out to your peers because they are an invaluable resource. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not in like a group, like with those peers, getting their help and like helping them in return, it will prepare you for the real industry because Mm -hmm. no project is done alone in the industry. unless Unless you've got years and years ahead of you and it's a personal project. No project is ever done alone. It's always in a group. I would like you to describe, if you could, your SVA experience. How would you describe it? Bouncing around the place. I definitely <laughs> say it's bouncing around the place. It's okay. A lot of 
ups, downs, turnarounds. But yeah, it's it's been a good experience overall, but it could have been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like you. I know a lot of people had a lot of like really close contact sort of experiences, like really getting to bounce their ideas off of each other and sort of like, that's how a lot of these groups came together. Like these big group theses, like dummies mm-hmm. and such. Don't let it scare you. Yeah. Because sure. These people are almost guaranteed jobs, but you're still working pretty damn hard. And that's the other part of the wisdom that I got from my dad. You, since you're doing, since I'm doing my work alone, like that shows like I can do a lot of different things, even so Mm -hmm. like, despite not being in a group. So that's something that the junior should also take to heart. Even if you're not in a group, you can still show your breadth. Uh, what is your favorite profanity to say when Maya crashes? God damn it. That's a good one. I like it. I like (laughs) it a lot. And, uh, who's your favorite podcaster? Who's my favorite podcaster? Hmm. Truth be told, I don't listen to enough podcasts. But I do... But I do enjoy My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Mm. My show for the modern era. Classic. McElroy Brothers. And of course, their spin-off, The Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. You gotta love them. Of course, yeah. They're <laughs> fantastic. Them, of and I'm really enjoying being on this. Duh. And hopefully... You're so sweet, Justin, damn it. (laughs) Hopefully I can uh, put together a podcast for one of those secret projects that I mentioned earlier. I will be very excited That's going to be a key part of it, actually, putting together a podcast. (laughs) Well, it's not already. Mm -hmm. It's still in the early phases. It's kind of been slowed down by, uh, you know, thesis. Mm -hmm. Totally. After thesis is done, after I'm graduated, I'm probably going to be... I mean, aside from looking for a place to live <laughs> and a job, after that, I think uh, I think that's when I'll be able to focus on this secret project a lot more. Mm-hmm. I'd argue you have it made living like right in the heart of Manhattan. I mean, yeah, but in all fairness, the uh, the the jobs that I'm looking to do are elsewhere, kinda. Admittedly, I mean, there is a lot of money to be made in advertisements, but there's not enough sort of in the uh, Creative creature design. Mm. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. Plus, living in New York is expensive. I live here with my parents. It's, you know, <laughs> my dad's already looking at real estate <laughs> in Portugal. They want to retire there. Oh, wow. Portugal is not a bad place to they, be. They went there before uh, the pandemic hit. They fell in love. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Very yeah. Well, Justin, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, Thank you so much for joining me and talking about your thesis. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of The In-Between. If you like the show, you can subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Javier Colon, and I will see you next time.